Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. I am a religion recovery coach who helps people with life after religion. And this podcast allows people to share their stories of abuse and religious trauma in various religions and cults. Some guests come on the show to discuss specific topics to educate and bring awareness. Discussions will range from purity culture, mental health, religious trauma, Christian culture, deconstruction, spirituality, and much more. Now, let's get into this episode of Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger, and I am here with Elizabeth Indara. She is a writer living in Chicago with her husband and their dog and their two cats. She has a master's in international educational development from Columbia University. She's a trauma-informed yoga teacher and then a full-spectrum doula and a sexual assault intervention activist. And she works full-time as a nonprofit writer and runs the page Release the Women, where she posts about religious trauma, reproductive justice, and purity culture. How are you today, Elizabeth? I'm good, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. And so, you know, as we get into the interview, I know you have a lot of knowledge on decolonization and purity culture, and like, we'll definitely dig into that. But I'm always curious about people's stories. So what was your childhood like regarding religion? And how did that affect you? Yeah, so I grew up very Christian in the South. Um, I grew up in Lilburn, Georgia, which is just outside Atlanta. Um, I actually always say this little kind of anecdote, which is that if people know who John Christ is, I am, me and John Christ went to the same high school and his dad was the mayor of our town. Oh my God. That's my little fun <laughs> ex-evangelical. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, his family kind of ran our town a little bit. There's a lot of, a lot of Chris, it's the whole thing, but anyway, so that's, that's where I grew up, um, and very that vibe. Um, mm. I, yeah, I, um, grew up in church my whole life. Um, my parents, so I'm not originally from the South. My dad is from Ecuador and my mom, uh, grew up in the Northeast, um, and they met when she was on a mission trip to Ecuador and he was there like leading worship at a church. Um, so very, uh, Christian, uh, story from them. And they also both yeah. got saved in the Jesus movement, which was, um, really a huge part of kind of the lore of my childhood. Um, the way we were raised was very kind of evangelical, like, in in all the ways you would imagine in the 90s of like major satanic panic lots of purity culture uh, stuff i did like my parents loved dr james dobson um i listened to adventures in odyssey i watched veggie tales i was to watch like pg-13 movies yeah like, literally until i was an adult <laughs> were you forced to like read the left behind books or watch left behind movies i was not forced i gladly did it oh no <laughs> like always. oh no no actually 
I was reading, I read the, um, the kids left behind version. They had like a billion of them. Mm-hmm. And my mom walked in on me reading one one day and I was crying so hard. I was like 10 or 11, I think that she told me I wasn't allowed to read them anymore because I was, oh. it was just like too much for me. I was just like sobbing and sobbing and sobbing because it was like mm-hmm. just terrifying and like people died. It's like really scary and sad. And yeah. So my mom was like, mm, mm-hmm. you can't, you got, yeah. Yeah. I know that's interesting because, you know, I grew up on VeggieTales, which is an odyssey, um, what are some of the others, but a lot of those, there was, I can't remember the name of it. There's this one spiritual Christian show about some kind of like worm or wormy or hermy. I don't know. Some weird shit like that. <laughs> I'm doing that. And like, were you ever exposed to Bible man? Yes, I watched Bible Man as a kid. My I have two older brothers who grew up in the eighties too. So I I got a lot of the the eighties like Christian mm. stuff kind of filtered into my like, as well. Have you ever gone back and watched some Bible Man clips for fun? No. <laughs> that sounds traumatizing. <laughs> it's funny because I was explaining Bible Man to someone and they had never heard of it at all. And I was like, oh, count your blessings. <laughs> and I went back to watch it. And I'm just sitting there watching. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what were these adults thinking when they were making this show? And for those who are listening, you have no idea what we're talking about. I'll put some YouTube links and you can watch at your own risk. Just a warning. <laughs> like, there are some really freaky characters, very cringy songs and dance scenes very cringy lines oh my gosh like ooh, god it, it hurt to watch it again and i sent it to a friend and they're like they're like no wonder you have religious trauma like fuck like that is not for kids at all but thankfully i don't know why i was never i never knew about i think i kind of heard of it the left behind series and movies but like my parents never thankfully like put that in front of me or it was never an option to look into it so thankfully i never yeah consume that content That's other things good. it terrified me Ugh. oh my god I'm like for me i guess like i heard so much like my my church was very all about the end times and doomsday types so i heard about it all the time and it was so fear-based i don't think i really had a desire <laughs> to watch a movie about it yeah because yeah. <laughs> i heard about it so much um but what were some other experiences in that culture that affected you Yeah. So I think a big one for me was that I went to Christian school my whole life, elementary, middle Mm -hmm. and high school. Actually went to three different Christian schools. Um, I got a lot of different flavors. Um, And so I think like that kind of all encompassing nature, like just fully surrounded at all times. So I'm like going to Christian school five days a week. We go to chapel on Wednesdays, you know, I'm going to church on Sunday morning. My dad was um, a worship pastor for a Spanish speaking church that happened on Sunday night. So I would go on Sunday night as well. And then on Wednesdays, mm-hmm. I would go to the youth group. So I was like all church all the time. Like this was from the time I was literally like born until I graduated mm-hmm. high school. I was going to church and Christian school like this frequently. So it was like there was no space for anything else. That was like everything that I did, even like extracurriculars. I um, was a dancer growing up. I did ballet Mm -hmm. and I ended up dancing in a Christian dance company, um, which is like, just makes me laugh thinking about (laughs) the kind of stuff that we would do. Um, 
but I did that all through middle school and high school. And so that I would like after school, I was like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, every single day after school, I was mm-hmm. at Christian ballet class from like 4 PM to 8 PM. Mm-hmm. It was like everything, like all, there was every part of my life. Even you would think a dance class, that might be something that's like a little different. Like maybe it's not, yeah. there. No, it's that was, we would dance to Christian music. <laughs> like it was traditional ballet training, but all the Christian music, you would pray, you would have Bible studies, like the whole thing. So it was like so much, it was just everything all the time. And so there was like no space for it. Like, even if I had questions, it just was like, what's the point? Like, I I don't have time to even like think about it. Like, it's just, it's all, it's my entire life. Every single one of my mm-hmm. friends is from church or from school and they're all Christians. Like, I didn't know a single non-Christian person. Like, how would I even meet one? It just like wouldn't happen. Yeah. But, um, one thing I will say growing up that I really appreciate is even though I was in a lot of these environments, my parents were actually pretty, I don't want to say mellow because there was some extremes, but mm-hmm. they were, they really prioritized love and kindness. Like those parts of mm-hmm. Christianity and service was a really big deal to them. So we did a lot of volunteer work growing up, for example. And my parents always were um, like inviting in new families. We lived in an area where there was a lot of immigrants and refugees. And so they were always having people like that over, or we would go into, like, I did a lot of tutoring for refugee kids as a middle schooler and high schooler. And that was like a huge priority for my family. Mm -hmm. And that started to expose me to just different types of people and different types of belief systems, even though it was like in a service context. So it's like, you know, you kind of have Mm -hmm. that savior complex about it, but I, I really value that, that my parents really prioritized that in my life because it ended up being like a huge part of who I am now and something I still really value. Yeah. Yes. And so at what point did you like start to question or even start deconstructing the beliefs that you were indoctrinated with? Yeah, I, it's kind of, I'm sure that it's this way for everyone, like really like such a process. I think mm-hmm. like, I know for me, the first kind of epiphanies I started having when I was 17, I got to go on this kind of, it was like marketed as a mission trip. It was like from a church, but it was more of like a cultural exchange trip. I and mean, we were extremely lucky. The people that led the trip were pretty like progressive Christians and really pushing different ideas and really wanting to open our worldview. And so I went to Jordan um, in the Middle East and it was like, just like completely life-changing for me and not even like i think i think a lot of times traveling when you're young can be really impactful and that definitely was part of it but it was more so um the questions that were introduced Mm -hmm. to me by the people leading the trip it was a lot of thinking about other religions in a different way thinking about people's concepts of god in a different way you know we were always taught that Allah is a false God, for example. And they really said, like, what what is it that makes you think that? Like, why can't Allah just be God? Why can't God be God? Mm. Especially, I mean, now, of course, in hindsight, like, Allah is literally just Arabic for God. So, like, yeah, talking about. But, like, at the time when I was 17, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I have never thought about this before. Um, And it just, like, totally, like, kind of revolutionized my thinking. And then I met a lot of Muslim teenagers my own age who were very similar to me and we had similar interests Mm -hmm. and like just like similar things we were passionate about. And 
in my mind, because I hadn't grown up around people that weren't mm. Christian, I was like, they're going to be so sad. They're going to be mm, like, you know, yeah. they're going to have nothing that they care about. Their life must be miserable because they don't know Jesus. And of course, that's not the case. And so it just like introduced these questions for the first time that then sort of pushed me down a road of like more progressive thinking, asking more questions. It really was the first introduction of questions for me, mm-hmm. like of permission to ask questions or permission to think about things differently than I had been raised and not thinking like, oh my God, I'm this is heresy or I'm going to hell. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. like, yeah. So that that was kind of the first sort of trigger point for me that kind of propelled everything else after. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so as like I guess I'm curious now what is your faith like now do you have faith are you agnostic atheist or where are you at in your deconstruction journey or where did you land at least yeah so I would consider myself agnostic borderline atheist I Mm -hmm. I don't really call myself an atheist for like a number of reasons but mostly because my husband is an atheist and I feel like I measure my beliefs against him and I'm way more crunchy Mm. and woo-woo than he is I mean I know that's not like a fair comparison but I always like Mm -hmm. think of it that way um but yeah I've landed in a much more like agnostic place but I Mm. I do hold a lot of space for I don't know being wrong about things other things introducing themselves to me like I I like to feel like my hands are open to lots of different possibilities um, because they were closed for so long. Like I, I just mm-hmm. had such a rigid idea of what life and belief and spirituality was. And I really want to be like open to different possibilities now. So that's kind of where I've landed. Mm, yeah. So how long did it take you to kind of get to that agnostic um, view or worldview? Um. How long did it take me? I think like I really started feeling like I I didn't really believe in God anymore when Mm. um, I was probably like 25. So it's been about like six years now. I'm in my Mm -hmm. thirties. Really. I mean, there's like a, a lot of things obviously that happened. I left the church in like 2016. Um, I had been a missionary for a few years and that blew up <laughs> as, it, as it is wanted yeah. to do. Um, it was a mess and there was a bunch of abuse stuff that came out about the person I was working for and it was just a mess. It was handled horribly. I was treated terribly, it was like a whole thing. And after I left the mission field and I immediately was like, I'm not going to be part of evangelical Christianity. I can't, I can't be part of the system anymore. It doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. And this was, I mean, I don't... I, I think often people want to be like, don't leave the church just because you had a bad experience. And I'm like, leave the church if you have a bad experience. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, when everyone talks to me, I'm like, any reason to leave is valid. Like, you don't have to go through the most worst abuse to, oh, okay, I've gone through the worst, now I can leave. No, give yourself permission to leave because that's what's healthiest for you, quite honestly. And so that's what annoys me too with some of these Christians online. Like, they but it judge people for leaving the church for certain reasons. And to them, it's like, it doesn't matter what anyone's gone through. They're like, no, you have to end back up at the church eventually. Like you have, you have to reconstruct or it's, it's just an example of people putting dogma over their humanity. 
and just prioritizing really their religion. And so I think what's fascinating to me is that, you know, because I was a hardcore fundamentalist Christian because I was raised in an IFB cult. And it's interesting as you look back, because like you're like, oh, I used to claim that I had all these spiritual experiences. But then when you deconstruct and you learn about psychology and different things, you learn to reframe or see things in a clear perspective. So how have you reinterpreted maybe some of your, you know, in air quotes, spiritual experiences in Christianity? Like when did you look back like, oh, maybe that was very emotional or oh, I don't know. Like, how do you see that now? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I think like for me, it, there's a couple different mm -hmm. buckets. I think like sometimes it um, that I don't, I just pretend it didn't happen. I think there's uh -huh. definitely an element of that to some of the pieces. Um, I also, there are some that I don't know. I don't have answers for some of the experiences mm -hmm. I had. Um, and I'm trying to be okay with that. It's, mm -hmm. Um, sorry that my dog is barking so much. She's like, happy, apparently, but, um, <laughs> anyways, um, I think the, the main thing though, is understanding, um, uh, like where I came from and, and that those things mm -hmm. were very real for me. I think often when we leave the church, people want to kind of discredit that or say like, oh, you weren't, must not have really been a Christian, um, and mm. I know what I felt and what I believed and that those things were real. Yeah. I also know that they're a huge part of the decisions that I then later made and who I am now and the things mm -hmm. I do now. I, I don't separate those things. Like I, there's plenty of stuff I, I'm like, I don't know, I feel bad about, or I even have guilt about. I think it's like mm -hmm. having been a missionary, I, I have a lot of conflicted feelings about that experience because I know that I, introduce people to harmful theology i know that mm. i introduce people even to harmful systems and harmful people through mm. and like legitimized harmful systems and harmful people because i participated in that and so i i, I try to have both compassion for myself but also accountability mm -hmm. for the fact that I didn't, you know, I was indoctrinated myself. So there, I do have compassion mm -hmm. for that, but also I need to acknowledge, like I did, I did participate in harmful systems. And, and so like, how can I reconcile that? And a lot of things that I speak about now are in some ways kind of like writing that in some, in like mm -hmm. a way, I guess, of like, I don't want to say like atoning. That's such like a Christian and yeah. what I mean or feel, but yeah, but just like that that need to say, you know what? I like kind of preached these things for so long and introduced a lot of people to these ideas, and I want to say like I was actually wrong. Like those things mm. that I was saying, I was wrong about, even though I was young. You know, I was in my early twenties. I didn't. Who knows what mm -hmm. I'm doing really? And and I like that's that's okay. And so I mm -hmm. also hold that. But I I think that there is. For me, it's been important to acknowledge when I have participated in harm and when I have like said mm. things that have that have hurt people. And and even no matter how indoctrinated I was, I still need to mm. kind of um apologize or yeah. or have accountability for that. Um because I I know, I mean, all of us I think have those kinds of conflicting feelings coming out of this sort of religion of like yeah. Oh shoot! Like I was really doing some like this was bad. This thing I was yeah. involved in was bad, and and so um, I've kind of had this balancing act of working through that of of like I don't know acknowledging the ways that it's 
formed and molded me, but I actually really appreciate it. I think it's, it's actually a huge gift, at least it has been for me to have been able to change my mind and Mm. to have been able to grow up a certain way and now be somebody who believes something completely different and be able to reconcile both of those people together and understand that they're both Mm -hmm. me and that they I still like interact with my former self I don't say like oh that wasn't me like that was me and there are pieces of that Mm -hmm. still now and just figuring out how to sort of love all of that part of my life I for me it feels like a huge gift I don't think a lot of people get that kind of opportunity to completely shift their whole worldview and go from believing Mm -hmm. one thing to something completely different I don't think a lot of people actually have that Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, and I know you're talking about, you know, some of the harm that you did when you're indoctrinated and being a missionary. I'm just curious. I know like you're very knowledgeable on um, decolonization. So like, when did, you act, when did you actually learn about colonization, the harms? And, you know, when did you start to decolonize? Yeah. Well, as I was starting to do, um, I mean, honestly, even a little bit for this, I've always been a little bit like radical with my politics I think Mm -hmm. like I've always had a streak of like I don't know just like wanting to push the envelope a little bit Mm -hmm. and having grown up in the south in Christianity there were always things like and as a Christian it always came out in more like these people aren't Christian enough like at my Christian school I was like these people are too apathetic they're not serving the way that Jesus needs to serve really loving people those sorts of things and it's funny to see how that's kind of morphed like that actually that through line actually kind of stayed the same for me it it i would say it differently now but i mm-hmm. still have this desire to kind of push people a little bit further um as they're going through their spirituality and their their i don't know just like process of shifting their worldview mm-hmm. and i think with decolonization like as as I was going through my training as a missionary, there was a lot of things that I was like, this is a red flag. I don't like this. Mm. Like, and I think one of the big ones yeah. for me, so I am half Ecuadorian. And part of that for me has meant that I'm pretty ethnically ambiguous. I've mm. traveled a lot and there are a lot of places where I blend in really well. And mm. I discovered early on that I really prefer that. I don't want mm. to be a person that like, I don't want to be like how I would be perceived if I was like a white girl that went to Africa. Like that yeah. I never wanted to, I mean, when I was little, I did, I was like my dream when I was like 10, but now like, not even now, but in my late teens, early twenties, I was like, I don't, mm. I don't want that. I'm aware of that dynamic. I'm aware that there's something harmful and wrong about that. And so that for me, especially as I was going through kind of missionary training and seeing seeing a lot of the types of people that were going as missionaries and mm-hmm. hearing some of the things that would come out of their mouths as they would talk about who they were mm-hmm. going to be serving and the places they were going to be going. There was just a lot that felt mm-hmm. really off to me. Yeah. Um, really othering. I think again, another piece of it for me is my dad is from Ecuador and he um, Ecuador is a place that's been really heavily colonized by missionaries it Mm, has a huge american Mm. white evangelical missionary um south america does in general and so that was something my dad actually talked very frankly about um it still does like all throughout Mm -hmm. my growing up years of this kind of like 
that the dynamic was off, that like people kept coming to try to save people in Ecuador, like show them Jesus when, Mm -hmm. I mean, they were colonized by Catholics from Spain, like Uh, hundreds of years ago, like they don't need Jesus. They've been like, so (laughs) missionary colonized, Mm. like they don't need any more mission. Yeah. And so my dad said mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And like for people who are listening, could you define colonization for those who aren't familiar? Yeah. um, I would define it as like somebody from a dominant Western country coming and taking over and, and maybe converting to a certain dominant religious belief. Um, Usually it involves taking over their whole economy, um, making them get rid of their traditional customs, language. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of different pieces. And obviously Mm -hmm. we know, um, you know, America's history is colonization. Yes. (laughs) Europeans coming over to what is now the United States and um, basically either Mm. converting or killing all the Mm -hmm. Native Americans. So that's an example of colonization. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like it's really and it's really sad because it just it has this very um, this feeling of being superior behind Mm -hmm. it, of being like, oh, my culture is better it's the best i want to come into this area convert them to my religion and just completely change their culture to mine because mine is the best and if they don't disagree they disagree oh well then (laughs) it doesn't matter and like i mean i know it's still such a toxic thing and and sadly you know that it's still going on today and i think it is sad even growing up in a very culty church of seeing even you know i've heard colonization justified they've never used i've never heard the term colonization growing up of course but um as i look back like i've sadly heard people justify the colonization of america and like oh well they didn't convert or they didn't believe they didn't have the right religion so it's what god wanted so using their religion to justify violence and colonization and so if you continue talking about how your journey about learning about colonization and there's red flags um in your missionary work yeah yeah so it i got like more and more and it became like kind of the number one thing when i was a missionary that i realized what that i couldn't be a missionary (laughs) because like even like as soon as i got there i was a missionary in eastern europe so it's not a traditional place that a lot of people think of actually when i when i talk about it and don't name the region people assume it is Southeast Asia or Africa, or maybe the Middle East. No one ever guesses uh, Eastern Europe, but that's where I was. And I also like blended in. I looked like an Eastern European more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was good, but then also made me, I was very easily accepted, which was lovely. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of really wonderful things to say about the people I met. I'm very good friends with many of them still. Um, but one of the things I was there to do was to tell them about Jesus and get them to become Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know that, like, I was from a more, I wouldn't say progressive, but a little bit different of a mission sending organization and even the church I was sent from in that, um, they had this tactic, I'll call it, um, with missions work where specifically with um, Muslims, and I was in a predominantly Muslim country, um, that 
basically you introduce somebody to Jesus who's a Muslim. And the idea is teaching them that Jesus is in the Quran, which is true. And that the Bible is basically a companion piece to the Quran, which is also true. These are like historical things that we know um, and showing them that basically they just need to tack on Jesus to their mm-hmm. Islam. And it's a really interesting, like kind of way of thinking about leading somebody to Jesus. And we, another thing that we um, were taught was not to ask them to become Christians. Um, that wasn't like the goal, even though mm-hmm. in a fundraising email, that's what we would say. But um, the actual mm-hmm. tactic was like, you're just helping them know Jesus. And so it, mm-hmm. at first, when I was learning this, I was like, this is really interesting. This is really like progressive. This is such mm-hmm. a new way of thinking about things. But then once I was there, I realized this is exactly what I called it at first, a tactic. It's just another way of turning them into Christians. Like just because like Mm -hmm. we're wanting to help them maintain their culture better doesn't Mm -hmm. mean we don't still think we have something that they're missing. And that Mm -hmm. is the thing that I could never come to terms with. The fact that at the core of it, we still believed that they were going to be going to hell if they didn't get this thing that we knew and they didn't mm. for whatever reason. And I could never reconcile that. That to me, like from the second I got there and was making friends with people and was like realizing these are just, you know, of course, just like normal people living their yeah. lives. Um, I was like, I can't, I can't even, not even that I can't do this, that I can't share Jesus with them. I can't believe this thing. I don't believe it. I don't believe mm. that they're going to hell. Like, I don't believe that they're missing this piece that for some reason I have. Like, why? That doesn't make any sense. And and so that was like the thing that from the jump, I was like, I am not on board with this. This does not work for me. I can't like retain this this is not like sustainable. And so it really like unraveled everything for me because mm. once I sort of realized like I am, this is a colonizer mindset to come into mm. a place that has less money than the United States and less power than the United States. And so that was the big reason why we were there, right? Because we had this authority because we were from America and we're going to use that to tell them about Jesus and also all these other things that come with it. And then we're going to make a lot of money off of it because then we're going to go back to the U S and we're going to tell everybody, look at all these Muslims that now know Jesus Mm. and they're going to give us thousands of dollars. And, and then of course there was this whole other thing where the director of the organization I was working with was buying fancy new cars and building a new house and uh, came out was actually like having sex with underage girls uh, so there was that element to it and but all of it like hinged on this mm-hmm. thing which was that like we have something they need and it it wasn't actually just jesus and it never just is like in these contexts mm-hmm. it's never just it's not as pure as that as much as you mm-hmm. want to believe that it is no and so that was like a total unraveling mm-hmm. that just absolutely yeah every single thread. yeah yeah, I know what you mean. It's funny because when you when you said that of how oh they need other things like they have actual needs, it's just it just made me think of a South Park episode, <laughs> which I know South people have their opinions about South Park, but I love it because it's satire and it calls out everyone. And I remember um, there's an episode where they specifically it's a satire on 
American missionaries going to Africa. <laughs> and it's terrible, but it was funny how they were trying it and calling out how missionaries use their resources and power to control people and to manipulate and to force their culture. And, you know, it's in the clip I remember from it, it was this like white lady talking to all these sad, poor children. And she, you know, they were obviously starving and she was like, oh, she's like, okay, you want food? You're like, come accept Jesus in your heart and I'll give you this food. And he was like really cruel and really mean. But what the show was saying was like, it was actually really true how a lot of these people, like they're human, like they have needs. They're going to do whatever they need to meet their needs. And if there's some missionary that has like clean water or food available of course they're going to hear you talk and go along with your message as long as they get what they need and then of course like it makes the person's ego feel really good <laughs> that they're doing and then of course like you see all the basic white girl photos with them holding <laughs> a child or something like that on social media yeah. and stuff um and so what was the reaction to like when you like how did you leave all of this behind how did that work out yeah so i um kind of was like you know what i'm gonna apply to grad school and i'm mm. gonna get out of here um and that's that's what i did i applied to grad school and i got in at columbia and moved to new york city and so that's how i left i went from this tiny town i was living in in eastern new york, mm -hmm. new york which was very overwhelming i had never been to new york before in my life but what I, I've said this a few times mm -hmm. to people, um, if you have the opportunity to move to New York City when you were mm -hmm. just leaving the church, I highly recommend it. It was yeah. like the best possible option for me because, I mean, I it was like a complete clean slate. Like I knew nobody in New York at all. Mm -hmm. I was starting this grad school program that had nothing to do with Christianity at all. Um, and actually was about international development, which was pointing out mm -hmm. a lot of the things that, that missionary work does wrong and like giving language to a lot of the things I had seen, which is extremely helpful for me. Yeah. And then I just I met so many people that had so many different beliefs than me and different yeah. ideas about things mm -hmm. and were like all different types of people from all over the place. And it just like like within the first year of being there. And then that was 2016. So Trump mm -hmm. got elected that year as well. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So like seeing that happen and I like rolled hard for Hillary then. Um, mm -hmm. Now I'm like a hardcore socialist. I can't imagine rolling hard for Hillary, but at the time <laughs> it, was like, <laughs> it was the thing. Yeah. Um, and, and then like having this experience in New York, I was like, why would I ever go back to that? Like, why would I ever return? It was toxic. I hated it. I was miserable. I was anxious. And now I'm here in this space mm -hmm. where like, I don't know what I believe and I don't know what's going on. And I am really happy and I am like really enjoying life and enjoying who I am and mm. feeling like I know myself and trust myself for the first time. And like, it just, yeah, it was like a no brainer. And I think like, mm. I feel extremely lucky in that. I know so many people that left the church and then, but they didn't like move away, you know, they like left the church and then the church is still down the street and they have all the same friends and family around yeah. them. And I can't imagine like that must be so, so difficult for me. Honestly, mm -hmm. I feel like it was like, there were obviously things that were really difficult, but more or less, it was like, 
just absolute freedom. It just, I had a complete clean slate. I didn't have any ties really, mm-hmm. nobody that I felt accountable to. Um, cause I just was in this new place. And even though like, mm-hmm. you know, I still have very Christian parents and I've had difficult conversations with yeah. them, plenty of friends and stuff, they weren't in my everyday life. So I didn't have to deal with that mm-hmm. in a kind of acute way. And that was like incredible for me. And I just, I felt like those, I lived in New York mm-hmm. for four years. Um, that's where I met my husband and, and those four years, I feel yeah. like changed my life like completely i i was a completely different person when i left new york Mm. when i came there and it was like such a gift just the the amount of exploring i could do there's so many things to do and to see and like i you Mm. know tried out all flavors of like churches and buddhist temples and like all these kinds of things Mm, i did my yoga training there and like learned all about hinduism and and like all these different kinds of spiritualities like it just was the most incredible like gift I could have ever asked for having Mm. come from this experience, realizing Christianity is not for me anymore. Like I know that. And now I have this opportunity to kind of explore the things that actually are for me. And, and that was just Mm. such a gift. And Actually, I wouldn't recommend moving to New York now because the rents have like tripled. But oh, yeah. <laughs> if you can afford it, move to New York when you deconstruct. It was like it was truly just an incredible gift. Mm, yeah, because for me, I felt like deconstructing was like growth, transformation mm. and to me. And these different Christians like DMing me online being like, oh, like, and even some people from my past, like, oh, well, you'll find your way back. And like, I want to, I I don't say this, but I want to say I'm like, no, like I've grown. Like I would be like going back. I would just, I'm not going to go back and like turn off my brain and I've learned and I've done the work. And I, you know, there's some things discovered that you wouldn't even think to question or even think twice or even once about. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so like, I think, yeah, it's just this psychological development. I yeah. feel like that happens for a lot of people because, you know, looking back, like I can see how religion helps me in certain areas, other areas that damage me a lot, <laughs> but I can, I can understand from a psychological perspective why people can cling to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, not that I'm saying that people who have religion or you have, are psychologically immature because there are so many different ways to approach religion. I think it all has to do with your how you approach it. Um, there are different flavors of all kinds. Even within Christianity, there are so many different flavors of Christianity. Like even like with the word um, Christian, like I have to not jump. I try not to make assumptions and someone tells me that because I might meet someone who's a Christian and they're affirming and they're progressive and they don't believe in hell. And then I could meet a Christian who's very bigoted and, and, you know, very hateful. So it's like, I can't just have this one idea about this really is a really broad term Christian, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. And so um, I was talking to someone, I'm like, yeah, like, I wish you would say like, oh, yeah, I'm an IFB Christian or, oh, I'm a progressive because like, that would be really easy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to tell, which, of course, most people don't do that. Right. <laughs> just, yeah. So it's just interesting. Um but what important lessons have you learned in your deconstruction journey? Hmm. I mean, I think the biggest one is like holding everything loosely. I, and it, it's hard. I think um, as people who have grown up 
mm-hmm. with fundamentalist mentalities, it can be really hard to not then swing to another extreme. Oh yeah. Um, and I think I definitely did that for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think that's totally valid for people to do. Um, because like when you leave something like that, something that has all the answers, you, you want new answers. You want like a new, a replacement for every single thing. And, and I definitely was really looking for that. Um, and, you know, found it in like progressive politics for a while and stuff like that. And not that I'm still, I'm still super into progressive politics, but I think yeah. like for me now, I, um, I am much more comfortable and really working on uh, holding things as loosely as possible mm. now feeling the need to have a concrete answer for everything. Um, Not needing to like, for example, when something, when a tragedy happens or like if somebody dies, not needing to kind of like find a reason for it um, Mm. and being able to just like let the thing be. I think like that's been a huge learning experience for me. And I credit um, my husband a lot for helping me with this. Like he Mm. didn't grow up religious at all. He grew up completely atheist, agnostic. Um, And that's wild. Like our, our upbringing is very different. And there's a lot of like him being like, what are you talking about? Uh, (laughs) But I've learned so much from seeing like he, it would ever occur to him to try to ascribe meaning to certain things in that way. And, and that's been really eye opening for me of being like, Oh yeah, I don't have to do that. I don't have to Mm -hmm. like find a reason for this tragedy or find like meaning in this confusing thing. Or if I'm making a decision, I don't have to like wait for the, for the perfect sign, or I don't have to be freaking out Mm -hmm. that I'm going to make the wrong decision. And if I, if I decide this thing instead of this thing, then my whole life is ruined. Like just being able to sit with everything and say like, my, my decisions are my own and they, I get to Mm -hmm. like figure it out. And if it doesn't work for me, that's fine. I can make another choice and it doesn't have to have this huge meaning. I think that that in particular has been like the hardest Mm. and most important thing to learn for me. Mm, Yes. And so what advice do you have for people who are really stuck in toxic religious environments and who are struggling to leave and struggling with cognitive dissonance? Um, this is so like hard to me because I feel like I'm always like, oh, I moved to New York City. <laughs> that's, that's my <laughs> um, but I, I do think in general, like kind of making that ridiculous piece of advice a little more local, like find spaces where mm-hmm. there isn't that kind of pressure. Like you don't have to leave the church right away and have a full clean slate to like yeah. feel freer or to feel more yourself or to kind of like deconstruct you can like totally be in the church and exploring that and then also like exploring other things too like you Mm. it's not like a one or the other it doesn't have to be cold turkey yeah that's something i encourage people to do a lot like do you have interests that are different than like being in the church Mm -hmm. like one thing for me that was huge was i did like a 200 hour yoga teacher training um like i don't know like 2017 or something and that was like incredible. I wasn't even sure. And I'm not a practicing yoga teacher now. So it didn't, it's not like my career path at all. Mm -hmm. It was just something that I was interested in. And it ended up being a huge, like learning experience Mm -hmm. about other religions, about embodiment, about like 
just like different kinds yeah. of mysticisms and mm. spiritualities. And, and so like things like that, that you've like, like I'd always had an interest in that. And so I decided to mm. do it and it became like a huge part of my deconstruction journey actually. And so I think like it, if people can find those sorts of interests and, and things apart from the church, mm-hmm. um, I think it can be a really good stepping stone and like, also like start small. Like, yeah. you don't, again, you don't have to just like leave everything behind and like move to a different city. Like you can mm-hmm. literally just be like, Oh, I kind of am interested in like tarot cards. What if I bought a tarot deck and watched a YouTube video or like, I don't know, just like small things that are like, Oh, I've been curious about this thing that I wasn't allowed to do my whole life. Like maybe I should just like, what if I just like read about it? Or what if I just like watched a video about it? Like it can be so small. I think anytime you can find those like little stepping stones into things that interest you and can lead you Mm, to exploring other ideas, I think is really beneficial. Mm, yes i think that is a wonderful wonderful advice and is there anything else you would like to say before we end this interview um i feel like one thing that i want to like touch on around we talked about decolonizing Mm -hmm. in my journey and i think i i am always that in particular i i always want to reiterate that like doesn't end i know we talk a lot of people talk about deconstruction and i totally like agree with that yeah i think there are some elements where like i don't need to deconstruct this thing any further and Mm -hmm. also we don't necessarily need to learn that language anymore but i I do think we do need to use the language around decolonizing more Mm. and understanding that as an ongoing process and as something that um is integral to deconstruction Mm. if you were raised in a fundamentalist religion or not even if you were raised in america like one thing i would say about the deconstruction community is everybody knows this it's not perfect and i think Mm -hmm. that one of the things that i would like to see more of and push a little more on is this element of decolonizing and understanding Mm. the ways that we've not just been indoctrinated by religion but also been indoctrinated by white supremacy Um, Um, that is mm. that is so inherent to evangelical christianity like mainstream american Mm. christianity yeah and so um recognizing the ways that we react to things and and just because like maybe we have the correct politics now doesn't necessarily mean we're we're all there yet mm, and I think, yeah i think decolonizing is so critical and and like anti-racism work is so critical that mm-hmm. we can't just assume we're there we have to yeah. keep interrogating that piece of us mm-hmm. um, because like things like that crop up for me all the time and i I just want to be so careful that that we don't just just because we like know how to use the correct words now or we have a better Mm -hmm. belief system now or better politics now doesn't mean that we are there yet. Mm -hmm. And so like making sure that we are continually learning and listening to people that are different Mm -hmm. than us, because that was something we didn't have growing up for most of us in mainstream evangelism. And so it's something we really need to be intentional about now. Mm, yes, I think, yeah, there is definitely this struggle, I think, in especially the white evangelical space of like yeah. not even thinking about white supremacy or decolonization, mm-hmm. period. And I think, yeah, like you are right about how a lot of us do need to really continue working on that. And and I think part of it is, number one, people, it makes them too uncomfortable and they don't want to deal with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And when people try to hold them accountable to that, they hate that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they get really upset. Yeah. Or like they're still so deeply, it's still deeply a part of 
their culture they've been so it's been so normalized they don't see it that way <laughs> uh, and i think also that's why it's so important to have those spaces where you're um introduced to diverse types of people diverse ideas because that's when you can actually start questioning your own biases your own beliefs and your own worldview and really start questioning it and adjusting it to really what is healthiest um and what is best and deconstruction is not easy work it's not it's, <laughs> not, not, sexy. it's yeah. not sexy it's not sexy i was talking to someone yesterday they're like it's not sexy at all because <laughs> no. there's there's these narratives that different preachers and pastors push because they're so afraid of it but it's yeah it's hard yeah. work and it, yeah it is a lifelong lifelong process of going through it's just enjoy the journey i guess not the destination because yeah. i don't know if there yeah. is a destination right exactly who knows <laughs> yeah i don't know but thank you again so much for coming on i've greatly enjoyed um, our conversation and thank you to everyone for listening and this was speaking up with andrew pledger Thank you for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Your support is much appreciated. Please leave a review and share with friends and family. And if you can, please support me on Patreon. And the link is in my description. Thank you so much for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger.